0: 630 Chad, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on
1: 630 Chad. Riley drops back, looks, looks,
2: dances and throws, and he's going deep down the field. Oh, what a catch by Darrell Walker, who skipped his way to the end zone.
1: He'll drop it off to on twists it back to McDavid, inside to Everly, reach shot score! 3-0 Jordan to Home for breaking news on your favorite
0: teams. Now, inside sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your
1: Oilers and Eskimos. Six thirty, Chet. Oh, yeah. Semi-final action at the Memorial Cup. We will keep you updated. Red Deer against Rouen Noranda. Raptors getting set to tip off against Cleveland tonight. Blue Jays in action. We have Ryan Nugent Hopkins going to the World Cup of Hockey. We have Taylor Hall not going to the World Cup of Hockey. All on tap tonight. It's a Friday. I hope maybe you have some other things on tap to help your evening as well. My name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. It is 6.07. This is Inside Sports on 6.30 Chet. My goodness, we've been bringing you the conference finals This is the first full three-hour edition of Inside Sports in, I think, uh, two weeks or maybe two weeks plus a day. We've just had some mini one-hour editions tonight, and uh, we are going to be rocking and rolling through this show because we have a lot to get to, a lot of hockey talk through the first half of the show. Phil Bork from Pittsburgh is going to join us in about half an hour. Rob Brown, our Oilers analyst, will check in as well. And, of course, I have some time here to hear from you, 780-496-0063. 3630. We'll bring in Ryan Nugent Hopkins in a few minutes. He will play for Team North America at the World Cup of Hockey. Bernard, you have something turned on over there because I can hear what you're doing. Uh, even though I know it's not going on in the radio. But turn, turn something down because I can hear your papers being shuffled and stuff. Thank you very much, buddy. Uh, Added to the Team North America roster for the World Cup of Hockey for that under-24 team. Jonathan Drouin, who I thought was the best player on the Tampa Bay Lightning last night in their loss to the Pittsburgh Penguins. Austin Matthews is added to the team. Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Mark Schleifle. Those are the forwards. Jacob, Tr- Jacob Truba, Colton Pareko, what a story he's been. The St. Albert kid. Former Fort McMurray Oil bear, and Shane Gostis-Spare from the Philadelphia Flyers. So Nugent Hopkins does make the cut. For Team Canada, the additions were... On defense, Brett Burns, Jake Muzzin, and Alex Petrangelo. No Chris Letang, no P.K. Subban. Up front, Joe Thornton, Brad Marchand, who had a huge season for the Bruins, Claude Giroux, and Matt Duchesne. No Taylor Hall, no Corey Perry, even though they were just key members of the uh, World Championship team. Canada won gold at the tournament in Russia. This is really interesting to me, and and I know all the people, uh, and I know there is uh, a vocal minority out there who uh, who dislike Taylor Hall or think he's to blame for the Oilers being at or near the bottom of the standings ever since he came into the league. Are gonna call in or text in tonight and say, "See, Reid, I told you so," and I'm gonna say, "You're a booger-nosed anger person," <laughs> but but seriously. Taylor Hall's a very good hockey player, and I think he should be on this team. I think he should be on this team. It's not easy picking a Team Canada. There's no doubt about that. You could probably pick two Team Canadas, and and they would both compete to be the best team in the world. Um, It's funny. Taylor Hall goes over the worlds, does everything that's asked of him, leads the team in goals, doesn't get named to Team Canada. It's funny to me, P.K. Subban, who's one of the most talented dynamic players in the league, isn't on the team. I like Jake Muzzin a lot. Is he one of of the best seven Canadian defensemen in the NHL? I don't think he is, even though I like him a lot. Uh, The other defensemen, Doughty, Keith, uh, Vlasic, and Weber. I mean, Mark Giordano, another guy you could argue for. Again, you can argue, argue, argue. Hockey's a, a, a funny sport to me because... And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with this because this is how the sport has developed. But hockey is a sport where I I I think it actually values work ethic over talent. Which is probably backwards, uh, maybe not, not not backwards. It's the reverse of what you might expect from from baseball and, and basketball and football. And I'm not saying you don't have to work hard on those other sports but it's it's almost like you know talented players in hockey get frowned upon uh they they always get their games picked apart hockey's a sport where we're always pointing out errors and deficiencies whereas it seems in other sports we're celebrating what a guy can do now maybe in other sports guys are more specialized In football, if you're a receiver, you don't have to block. If you're a lineman, you don't have to catch the ball. You just got to block. You know, basketball has very defined positions and defined setups, especially on offense. Uh, Baseball, everybody has to bat, but your expectations as a batter can be based on where you play the field. In hockey, everybody's really trying to do the same thing. Uh, But not everybody can do it at the same proficiency. So therefore, if you're not a guy that can score, it basically comes down to how hard you work. And that's why guys like Matt Hendricks are celebrated and carve out NHL careers. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, and I recognize where that's coming from. But I think somehow with some of you, and probably I guess with Hockey Canada for this this situation, Taylor Hall has been put in a category of players who isn't well-rounded enough, uh, or doesn't work hard enough, or who doesn't quote-unquote quite play the game the right way often enough or well enough. And isn't that a phrase that we're all sick of hearing? But I throw it out there because it keeps getting used. And I understand what it means. I understand what it means. There are some details, some fundamentals to the game of hockey that help teams be effective, whether or not you're the type of player who can play with any flash or put the puck in the net at the end of the day. I just don't know how P.K. Subban isn't one of Canada's seven best defensemen. And he was on the Olympic team last time. Uh, I really like Jake Muzzin a lot. I'd love if Jake Muzzin were an Edmonton Oiler. He's not as good as PK Subban. He really isn't. Um, Brad Marchand had a huge year. Is he a better uh, all-round player than Taylor Hall most of the time? probably not he's a more tenacious player but he comes from a team that's been more successful and i think that's part of the thing here too when you come from a, a good team uh, or when you play on a good team then it you know somehow you contributed to the team's success even if you're a fourth line player or a limited minute defenseman or a black ace in the playoffs I mean, every year in the playoffs, we hear, oh, don't forget the Black Aces, the guys who were scratched every game, but they sure worked hard in practice and uh, kept the backup goalie hot with the shots they took on them. I mean, really, those guys had little to no impact on that team uh, winning the Stanley Cup. I mean, sure, having a good attitude helps. I'm not going to deny that. But let's not also overstate the impact. The Oilers are in a situation here where they've been a horrible team really for the last seven years. They've been out of the playoffs 10. They've been really bad the last seven. So every everything is wrong. And I think if Taylor Hall played for the Boston Bruins and Brad Marchand played for the Edmonton Oilers, even if their stats were the same this past season, Taylor Paul Hall probably has a better perception than Brad Marchand. But instead, uh, he's part of the problem. I understand it. That's where it comes from. Do I necessarily think it's always right or accurate? Quite frankly, I don't. All right, you can uh, text 630-630. Mike says it's the NHL World Cup. Who cares? Mike likes the Olympics. Then he likes the World Championships. Then he likes the World Juniors. Then he likes the World Cup. Well, I, I hear a lot of that, and I can't argue with it. It is a little bit of a made-up tournament, isn't it? When you have to create teams to fill out the field, like North America and, uh, and Europe. Viking Rod says, Reed, I wasn't sure what I thought of Taylor Hall until the last year and a half. He rededicated himself to a two-way game, and he should have been on the team. He's done well at the last two World Hockey Championships. And uh, the Big L says, hey, Reed, three hours after a couple of short shows, you're going to need to call on your running statima tonight. <laughs> he says, uh Regarding the World Cup, I agree with what one of the Sedins mentioned a while ago. There are too many tournaments. The World Juniors are legit. uh, And although somewhat exciting, the World Championships are made up of playoff team participants. The Olympics, when they include NHL players, is fantastic, but every four years is enough. I don't know about this World Cup in September. Is it foreshadowing the fact that the NHL players aren't participating in the next Olympics, or is it another money grab from fans and sponsors? The annual Stanley Cup playoffs are intense and pretty much the summit of pro hockey. That is from the Big L. Well, I think they are grabbing money, Big L. I can't argue with you there. That's a a big part of why they're having this World Cup of Hockey. The phone lines are open as well, 780-496-0063. We have a lot to get to tonight. And after the break, we will bring in, from your Edmonton Oilers, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins. This is Mike Riley from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chet. You know what? You're going to hear from Mike Riley later on tonight. The Eskimos got their great cup rings today. Morley Scott talked to your quarterback as training camp starts tomorrow. Morley Scott will be on the show between 730 and 8 as we get you ready for an Eskimos season. Sometimes I'm still pinching myself at that 14-4 record they pulled off last year with a 10-game winning streak, including playoffs, to end the season. That was a a dream season for the green and gold. I forgot to mention off the top, Brett Kissel will be on the show, country music artist, proud Albertan. He'll be playing at the Fire Aid concert coming up at uh, Commonwealth Stadium on June 29th. Uh, Other acts include Nickelback, Blue Rodeo, Corb Lund. Tickets go on sale Monday may 30th well monday at uh, 10 a.m ticketmaster.ca brett kissel will be on the show reed wilkins with you thanks for tuning in edmonton Oilers center ryan nugent hopkins named to team north america for the world cup of hockey ryan welcome back to inside sports how are you doing i'm good how are you doing doing very well great to have you back on the show and congratulations on the news this afternoon you will be playing in the world cup of hockey for team north america how does that feel
3: it's great. It's uh um definitely a big honor for me and uh I'm excited to be a part of the group.
1: Give me a sense of what it was like for you Ryan not being named to that original 16 and and maybe sort of having to wait a little bit. Was that uh a process for you? I don't know if it's if if it'd be fair to say if it to ask you if it if it bothered you not to make that initial roster. How did you deal with all that and all the speculation that went with it?
3: Um I never kind of I, I never read too much into it. I mean, um, obviously, that kind of thing is out of your control, and um, I would have maybe liked to have been named uh, earlier, just as far as uh, mindset. But I mean, at the same time, it's uh, um, it's a big honor, anyways, and it's uh, it's a good team to be a part of. So I'm really excited, and it's, uh, it's going to be fun.
1: What about the the situation with Peter Shirelli being your NHL general manager and the general manager of? Uh, uh, Of Team North America, was there any uh, you know discussions that went on? Any reassurance, uh, you know, just in terms of him wearing both hats there?
3: Um, He uh, talked to me a little bit about it, but I mean, he didn't want to say too much, obviously. And um, but I mean, I I think it might give uh, me a little advantage having him and uh, and Todd a part of the team that uh, I'm going to be playing on. So I'm definitely familiar with both. Both those guys, so it, uh, it makes it good for me.
1: All right, um, how's your hand? Obviously, that cost you almost two months last season, and and I, and I know when you did your uh, exit interviews with the media after the final game of the the regular season, I, I think you were saying you know you wanted to to let it heal just just a little bit more. How is that hand doing?
3: Um, yeah, it's it's still got a little ways to go, I think, but um, it it uh, is feeling pretty good, and um, I think. With hands, I mean, there's so many uh, little things involved that it does take a long time. So I still don't have quite the range that I want, but I'm working with a physio. And um, and I know it's, uh, I mean, you don't need it for too much strength, but you want it to be feeling normal and feeling as good as it uh, did before. So um, I've been working on that since I've been home, and I'm going to keep working on it to, to get it to 100% uh, by the end of the summer.
1: All right. So, well, it's good that it's uh, it's coming along. You're going to change the way you, sh- you block shots at all next season? <laughs> <laughs>
3: Yeah, I think uh, I'll try to lead with my shin pads and uh, leave my hands out of it.
1: Okay, Ryan Nugent Hopkins joining us here on six thirty. Chad Edmonton Oilers center named to the World Cup of Hockey roster. He will play for Team North America. I got to ask you this: What will it be like to have Americans as teammates? Because in the hockey world, your generation—that's—that's that's been the chief rival for Canadians.
3: Yeah, I mean it's. Uh, not usual to play an international competition and uh be playing on the same team as an american obviously but um i mean i've i know a lot of americans just playing throughout the years with them and uh become some become really good friends with some of them so it's not like it's uh on the team it's not going to be canada versus uh the states or anything it's just going to be a bunch of young guys uh who are familiar with each other from playing around the league and um, in junior and whatnot. Uh, and uh, Just got to find a way to mesh right away, but I don't think the Canada-States thing will be
0: uh, too big in the I
1: should ask you about uh, one of the goalies you're going to have, Matt Murray. I don't know if he's going to wind up playing at the World Cup of Hockey, but I, but I assume you've been uh, watching him with the Pittsburgh Penguins. Got to admit, a guy I wouldn't have known a lot about at the beginning of the season, but he's certainly making a name for himself here.
3: Yeah, I mean, uh, I think he stepped in and uh, obviously done a great job for Pittsburgh. He seems to uh, be able to handle the pressure really well. And um, I think in an international competition in a short tournament, uh, you need a guy who can uh, – or, or guys who uh, are fine with the pressure and uh, in a short amount of time. So um, whether it's him or uh, whoever whoever it is, it's going to be uh, – um, I think it's going to be good. I think uh, um, from goalies out, I think it's a pretty talented team and uh, it'll be fun to be part of.
1: All right. Just a couple more for you, Ryan. Uh, looking ahead – uh, well, I guess I guess just for you personally, looking back and looking ahead. I mean, we mentioned the hand injury that limited you to 55 games last season, so I know that was tough. You wound up with with 34 points uh, in those 55 games. Just overall, you know, how how did you feel about that season? Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of chat. Well, maybe you know, if you were healthier or um, you know, could have had that full season, maybe you would have produced at a little bit of a better rate. H- how do you look back on your 15 16?
3: Um, well, I mean, as far as point-wise, I think it could have gone better. But, I mean, uh, um, I like to, to play that two-way game, and I don't try to dwell on points too much. Obviously, I want to produce, but um, that kind of comes in the different aspects of the game, not just points. So um, I think it could have gone a lot better. I was feeling pretty good at the start of the year health-wise, and then um, almost exactly halfway through I uh, get the injury. So it kind of put a damper on the season for me.
1: All right. There's always change in the off season. One of the storylines with the Oilers since you've come to the NHL has been coaching changes. We know that's not going to happen this summer. Uh, you know that Todd McClellan's back and you're obviously going to have him uh, as well at the world cup what can you tell me about the uh, the biggest impact or some of the biggest impacts that mcclellan you know had on the oilers this past season and that and that you look forward to to, you know to having him as a coach in the future here
3: uh well he just had the experience of a a guy who's been around for a uh, long time and um he knows the ins and outs of the game and how to handle a team so um, I mean, it's going to be like you said. I mean, there's been a lot of changes since I've been there, uh, coaching wise. So it's going to be nice to consistently have the same guy and, uh, and know what you're getting into uh, coming next season.
1: All right. Well, Ryan, again, congratulations on making Team North America for the World Cup. That's exciting for you. Glad to hear the hand is uh, is uh, coming along. And thanks for catching up with us here on Inside Sports. Oh right, yeah, thanks for having me, Reid. Right on. That is Ryan Nugent Hopkins. He will play for Team North America at the World Cup, September 17th to October 1st. All the games in Toronto, no Taylor Hall for Canada. couple text messages coming in. This person says, Ryan Nugent Hopkins is the real deal. Taylor Hall is not. Neither is the Russian. Both floaters. I guess he's talking about Nelly Akapov. Uh, DB says, good for Nugent Hopkins. I'm not convinced he uh, had a great season. Without Peter Shirelli as the GM of the World Cup team, I don't think he is there. And Yakishev says, I hope Joe Thornton wins the Cup this year because with all the hockey he's going to be playing before next season, he and his beard will be too tired to make another run. All right, you can text 630-630. We'll go to Pittsburgh. They're in the Cup Final. Phil Bork up next.
3: This is JC Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on
1: 630 Chat. 10.4 seconds to go. Dropped in and big win by Benino again. Goes to Oldimana, trying to pinch in and keep the bucket, pops up in the air. We're down to four. Penguins back after a dear side. And it will be over. The
0: Penguins have held on here in game seven to win this game. Two to one.
2: And you can spit shine your shoes, Pittsburgh. The Pens are going dancing with the Lord of Lords, Lord Stanley.
1: All right, that was the call. Mike Lang last night. The Penguins back in the Stanley Cup final. The third time in Sydney. Crosby's career. Don't forget, they won it a couple of times when a guy named Mario Lemieux was playing in the NHL. Reed Wilkins with you inside sports on 630 Ched. This show, of course, will be preempted on Monday so we can bring you Game 1 of the Stanley Cup Finals, San Jose and Pittsburgh, and I'm pleased to welcome in from the Penguins broadcast crew a former Penguin and Cup champion himself. It is Phil Bork. Phil, welcome back to the show. How are you doing, man? Yeah, Reed, it's been too long, man. I'm always... Uh... I'm always thrilled to come on
0: your show, and, uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I mean, anytime you're working in May is uh, always a good thing, never mind if you're going to be working in June.
1: Yeah, for sure. And, you know, when we had you on earlier in the playoffs, we, we talked about what, what the Penguins did in, in the second half of the season and how they, they came together. A really exciting East final, Phil, and what was interesting to me, I, I know a couple of the games went to overtime, and uh, there were some close games, some of them when it, when a team caught up in the third period and maybe made it closer than it seemed. It was a game where, at, at times, fans might have watched a game and thought, oh, okay, now that team is not in, in control. And then the, the next team would bounce right back two or three nights later. I, I found it entertaining from that perspective.
0: Well, I was uh, I was reaching for the seatbelt. To get, uh, nice and tight because the the ride was bumpy and i think it's safe to say i think for the most part and this is just to show how good both these teams were that i didn't really feel like the penguins played their best in this series maybe not until game number seven when they really put it together they had moments where they were brilliant there were moments where they took the foot off the gas pedal and tampa roared back i mean that's a that's a great hockey team over there it really is and I'm sure they're thinking, what if, you know, Ben Bishop was in the lineup? What if Steven Stamkos was able to play game one through six and not just game number seven? But, hey, that's the playoffs, man. Uh, And you battle through adversity. You battle through ups and downs. And at the end of the day, you kind of have to go through what the Penguins went through being down two games to three in this last round. You you look at all the cup champs read over the last few years, and they had to kind of slay that dragon, battle that adversity off elimination, and they were able to do it in two games to move on to the final.
1: I want to ask you a little bit about the goaltending situation. We both know nobody wins the Stanley Cup without at least above-average goaltending. You can find plenty of examples of the goaltender for the winning team, winning the Conn Smythe Trophy as playoff MVP. It's the most important position in hockey. The Penguins used two goalies in that series. How did Murray handle it's taking the game off? How has Fleury handled, you know, all of a sudden becoming a, a backup on a club that has been his for several years?
0: Well, first let's talk about mark Rondi Fleury. And I think he's been a really good soldier in the room. I think uh, he's been swallowing the bitter pill. I'm sure it's very difficult for him. I look at him every once in a while sitting on the bench or, you know, after practice, and I can tell he's. He's not his jovial, happy-go-lucky self. This, this is bothering him. But with that being said, he's really been supportive of Matt Murray, knowing that this is an incredible run that he's on, that the Penguins are on. At the end of the day, it's all about the W, and I think he's reinforcing uh, that to himself almost on a daily basis. As far as Matt Murray, and to answer your question, uh, he's just mature beyond his years. He's, you know, Mike Lang, my uh, partner that you just heard his final call there at the end of the game last night. Uh, said it probably uh, as eloquently as you could, and I'm going to steal it from him, and I've been doing that in the interviews I've been doing, he was born to be a goalie. And that's, that kind of sums it up, whether it's his mental makeup, his DNA, um, you know, the long legs and ar- long arms and long torso that he was, he was blessed with, the athletic ability, the ability to uh, not be rattled by a bad goal or a bad game and have this bounce-back ability where it's all about the next save.
1: Phil Bork joining us from the Pittsburgh Penguins broadcast booth game 1 of the Stanley Cup final will be on Monday night. You know what? Phil I want to read a text message that came in from a listener because because I wanted to ask you about some of the matchups some challenges in this series. And I think this texter uh, puts it really well, and I want to get your thoughts on it. Uh, he goes by the handle under oath, you know, with the uh, internet, nobody has to use their real name, right, Phil? Uh, sure. Sure. <laughs> uh, he says, hey, Reed, do you think that Letang and Dumoulin stand a chance of shutting down the Pavelski line any more than Weber and Yossi, Doughty and McNabb, and Bomeester and Petrangelo? I don't. Crosby and Malkin haven't been... Near good enough to make up the difference, either in my opinion. And under oath, Phil says he's picking the Sharks in uh, six games. Interesting way he frames it with some of the the D-men and the and the matchups.
0: No, fair enough. Those are all good points by under oath. Uh, to answer your question, no. Chris Letang and Brian Dumoulin cannot shut down Pavelski, Thornton, and Hurdle. But if if Brian Dumoulin's out there with Chris Letang and Matt Cullen and uh, Tom Kuhnhockle, and Eric Fair, all play as a real strong five-man unit and make life a living hell for the two Joes and Hurdle, then you have a fighting chance. So it's, it's going to take all five men on the ice. I mean, that line is absolutely on fire. Joe Pavelski uh, might not be big in stature, but he's huge in heart and in skill. Um, and he'll be a handful for the Penguins. There's no doubt that'll be the number one point in their checklist when it comes to uh, pre-scouting this Stanley Cup final.
1: Yeah, well, and and the sharks play that 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 style. I mean, they are. Is there? I mean, I know a lot of good teams do it, but the, to me, the sharks are, are one of the best teams at keeping pucks alive down low, and I imagine that's got to be a focus for the Penguins.
0: It is, but uh, you know, so are the Penguins. Right. You know, the Penguins are, are very good at, at cycling the puck, supporting the puck, moving their feet, going from low to high, getting pucks to the net, uh, puck retrieval, and uh, and rinse and repeat. I mean, that, that's what's worked for them since uh, basically since Christmas. So uh, that's what's going to make this a great series. I can't remember the last time we ever talked about the Stanley Cup final and been like, well, this team kind of sucks going into the final. <laughs> you get to the final because you're great. You know, so that's what makes it so interesting. And we, as analysts, we break it down every which way but Sunday. Uh, and you look for strength and you look for weaknesses. You know, half the time we're right, half the time we're wrong. Uh, and you know sometimes uh, this time of year fatigue plays a factor uh, and the ability of players to rise above pain and suffering and uh, aches and uh, and fatigue uh, is the reason why they'll be holding that uh, that silver trophy over their head in about two and a half weeks
1: all right great segue because I always like to go down memory lane with you you won two Stanley Cups 1991 and 1992 what's the worst uh, injury or ailment you dealt with in those playoff runs
0: Oh, it was probably uh, 91. Uh, we were playing in Jersey in the first round, and I was taking a guy to the net, and a one-timer came to the net, caught me off the inside of the foot. Uh, it was towards the end of the game, so we hopped on the charter, went right back to Pittsburgh, and in that uh, in that flight with the you know with the elevation and uh, the ups and downs. By the time I got home, I was I was in the most pain you could ever imagine. Ended up going to the hospital. Uh, at about three or four in the morning just because I couldn't sleep I, I didn't know what I was gonna do. Uh, the X-ray did, did not find a break but it, it felt like it was broken. Uh, was on crutches the next day could not put any weight on it. Somehow the next morning I was able to ram it into my boot and get it somehow uh, tightened up with a lot of padding and by game time uh, two nights after I got hit, I was able to go. so that's that's kind of I mean that's kind of pales in comparison to some of the other incredible injuries guys have played through, but that one was a memorable one for me.
1: All right, and, and we mentioned we mentioned the matchups. Uh, I mean, those Penguins teams had uh, Mario Lemieux and Yager on them, so that created matchup difficulties, obviously, for your opponents. Um, but you would have been a guy who would have been matched up against good offensive players. Uh, is there somebody that really gave you fits trying to check when, uh, when you were on those cup runs?
0: Oh, boy. Well, we played... Uh we played Washington. we played the Rangers. You know, Messe was always a load.
1: Right. Uh, Mike
0: Gartner was a tough guy to handle, man. People don't talk too much about him, but uh, one of the top goal scorers in the history of the National Hockey League with that blazing speed. Uh, you know, in 91 and 92, in both conference finals, we played the Boston Bruins. So playing against Ray Bork was uh, not only fun for me uh, because of the last name, but, uh, you know, being from Boston, uh, and, and he was just a handful. He was, he was tough tough to play against because his compete level was so high and so damn strong so there was, there's was a numerous amount of guys um in Chicago of course you know playing against Jeremy Roenick and and that uh that group was uh was tough but you know at the end of the day Reed it's supposed to be tough it's supposed to be the most difficult thing you've ever gone through in your life otherwise it wouldn't be so
1: satisfying what did you think when Mario did that to Bork, putting the puck between his legs and skating right by him? I mean, I know you were used to him doing amazing things, but that was against Ray Bork.
0: Yeah, I know was the most interesting about, about that. That was a shorthanded goal, and I was actually in the penalty box. and It was in the Boston Garden, and I remember standing up when he started to put the puck between Bork's legs, and I was the only one in the box, and I remember after he scored and went top shelf on Andy Moog, I remember looking at the attendant, you know, the guy who opens the door in the penalty box, and he looked at me, and I looked at him, and we actually, we actually did a fifth pound. You know, we actually high-fived each other, you know, and he kind of looked around like he shouldn't be doing that, but it was such an amazing thing that neither one of us could help ourselves.
1: Well, well that's one of the most memorable Mario New goals for sure I, I think I, I I know that one against Minnesota in the final gets played all the time but I but I think for pure uh, amazement that one against Boston might have been even better Phil thanks for your insight yeah, uh, yeah thanks for your insight thanks for making time for us especially on on a day off for you and a Friday we do appreciate it and enjoy the cup final man
0: yeah Reed, you always know I like coming on with you anytime you can call. And it uh, should be a fun run for the Penguins, and I'm looking forward to it. And like always, this was good hockey talk.
1: Right on. That is Phil Bork checking in tonight from the Pittsburgh Penguins Radio Network. And yeah, as we were talking about a two time Stanley Cup champion himself, uh, you know, I'm, I, I, I know I'm at the point where sometimes I sound like uh, an old guy that probably annoys some of you who didn't see Mario Lemieux play and didn't see Wayne Gretzky play or whatever. But thanks to the uh, magic of YouTube, A lot of you can go and watch these highlights. Just check out, just put in Mary Lemieux, Ray Bork, or some combination of that, and that's one of the most amazing goals I've ever seen. Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. Cleveland, a 13-8 lead on the Toronto Raptors in Game 6. Make it 15 8, an alley oop to LeBron James. So uh, Toronto in a hole early. They're approaching the halfway point of the first quarter. The Blue Jays lead the Red Sox 5 2. That one is in the bottom of the fifth. And Rouen Naranda with two first period goals. They lead Red Deer 2 0. Four and a half minutes left in the first period. That's the Memorial Cup semifinal. The winner plays London in the championship game on Sunday afternoon. We still have a lot to get to on Inside Sports tonight. Of course, you can keep your texts coming to 630, 630. I'll catch up uh, on those as we move along tonight. And when we get back, Alberta country music artist Brett Kissel. He's going to be playing at Fire Aid at Commonwealth Stadium. That's next.
3: This is Adarius Bowman from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad.
1: Little Eskimos talk. Uh, talk coming up in about 45 minutes with Mike Riley and Morley Scott as the Eskimos get their great Cup rings today. Training camp starts tomorrow. Of course, uh, Fort McMurray greatly affected by the fire that swept through that region in the last few weeks here. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fort McMurray alberta football league team with the uh, team president jesse maddox later on in the show but fire aid coming up wednesday june 29th at commonwealth stadium brett kissel proud alberta boy country music artist will be one of the performers brett welcome to inside sports how are you doing
2: i'm really good thanks it's great to chat with you again reed
1: Now, correct me if i'm wrong but should i not be saying happy birthday
2: Yes, sir. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm in the middle of New York City right now with my wife and our daughter and our little puppy Charlie, and we're just uh, enjoying a little birthday celebration here in the Big Apple.
1: Right on. Now, you're, you're also a new dad, right? Your daughter's still pretty young.
2: That's right, yeah. She's only four months old, but uh, we love to travel with her, and she's uh, been a good baby. We've been taking her out shopping, and she's been enjoying us. Uh, uh, you know, we've been enjoying her company, too.
1: Awesome stuff. What's the best part about being a dad so far?
2: So far, I think it's just watching my wife, Cecilia, and how good of a mom she's been. And, you know, when I grew up, I wanted to be a country singer, and when she grew up, she wanted to be a mom. So both of us, we get to live our dreams, and we're very happy.
1: Right on. Well, Brett, we want to talk to you about a, a few things. I know you got a busy day, so thanks for making time for us. But, but first of all, really important, uh, you're, you're coming to Edmonton. You're going to be part of a uh, fire Aid, And uh, man, I mean, just such a, a devastating time in our province for the people in, in Fort McMurray and, and uh, region. You're an Alberta kid. You always will be. Uh, just maybe your thoughts on being part of this and, and how uh, you've been sort of following uh, this story.
2: Well, first and foremost, I've been invited to, you know, lend my my music and, you know, my, you know, <clears throat> my time to this great cause. I think it's going to be an incredible concert at Commonwealth Stadium, and as Albertans always do, we're going to rally behind each other and and rebuild truly one of the the biggest and greatest communities in our province in Fort McMurray. You know, Reid, I remember a few weeks ago when I was. Uh, just in Nashville, and, and watching this on the news, and I couldn't believe that this was happening only just a few hours away from you know my hometown of St. Paul, and it's crazy. You never think it's going to happen to you. You never think it's going to be in your own backyard in, in a lot of respects. So to get an opportunity now to give back, and now the things that, you know, call it died down a little bit, I think it's great that we get an opportunity to rebuild that town in a significant way.
1: Brett Kissel joining us inside sports on 6:30, Chet. So yeah, again, the uh, the details on that Wednesday, June 29th is the show. Tickets go on sale on Monday. Um, I'll give more details later. Of course, Ticketmaster.ca. You can go to the Oilers website uh, as well. Brett, I'd be uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't talk a little bit of hockey with you because I first met you at an Oilers game. I think uh, I think two or three years ago. Uh, I, I I know another frustrating season for a lot of Oilers fans, given where they finished. Uh, I sense a little more optimism because of McDavid and McClellan and, to, to some extent, Cam Talbot and Patrick Maroon and guys like that. Uh, what was your experience as an Oilers fan this past season?
2: Well, I watched a lot of games away, actually, this this season. I tend to go and watch probably four or five games uh, when the Oilers are, are the away team. So I really enjoyed watching this new club. I love seeing the spark that Connor McDavid and his line gave. And you know what? I think it's important to also talk about how Leon Draisaitl and uh, Taylor Hall played, especially in the first half of the season. Um, you know, good friend of mine, Jordan Eberle, got healthy and he came back in and played with David. There was a lot of promise there. So I think that the Oilers are finally coming out of the curve. I don't think anybody would have thought that it would have taken this long. But finally, it seems like there are the right pieces. Uh, you know, to this puzzle for the Oilers to have some success in the next few seasons. But don't get me wrong, we're still missing some key pieces on defense. And that's why I'm really excited to see what Chiarelli does in this offseason, and especially on the 1st of July. You know, what's he going to do? I saw an interview that he did during the Memorial Cup as I was doing the anthem here last weekend. And he talked about, uh, you know, no reasonable offer is going to be refused. So who knows what that means or who knows what type of pieces are on the move out of Edmonton and who's on their way into uh, oil country. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does and our season has in store for the Oilers, hopefully uh, a berth in the playoffs.
1: Oh right on! All right, and fi- a final one for you. So you're you're 25 today. I I know you still got a a long and great music uh, career ahead of you. Uh, you had an album that came out in uh, September. It's called Pick Me Up, so people can look for that or or uh, get it on iTunes or download it or whatever whatever the kids do these days. Brett, yes, I'm actually saying that. But uh, <laughs> you know, we talk a lot about hockey players and uh, rising to an elite level and trying to make the NHL. What's been your secret or what advice would you give to a young guy about how you've been able to survive and make it in a tough industry yourself?
2: Well, I mean, I appreciate you saying that, and I, I appreciate the opportunity maybe to offer a little bit of advice, even though, let's be honest, I, I don't feel that I'm really at uh, at the level where I really want to be at, at this point just yet. I still have a lot of work to do. But, you know, there's two pieces of advice that I would provide anyone – Trying to make it, no matter what business they're in, is that you know what? Hard work pays off. It it truly does. If you work hard, no matter what your role is, uh, you know, you're a hockey player and you're a fourth liner, and you're you know back and forth from AHL, you know, to the big leagues, or you're a first line guy. Hard work pays off. And another big thing that I would pass on is that you know what? Having a good attitude is extremely important because in my business, specifically in the music business. There are a lot of ups and downs, and the downs, uh, you know, can be devastating. You know, they can be really disappointing and frustrating. So if you've got a good attitude and you have a good outlook on life and where you're at in your career, I think they can really turn things around. And uh, if you stay positive, that's very important. So I think for anybody in the NHL or for anybody in the music business, you know, if you keep uh, working hard and you have a good attitude, I think success is going to come your way.
1: Brett, well said. Thank you so much for joining us here on Inside Sports. Great to see you involved in Fire Aid. so uh, maybe we'll talk to you again closer to that date. And again, happy birthday. Really appreciate your time.
2: Well, I appreciate it, and thank you very much for the birthday wishes. And for anybody, obviously, who's thinking about coming out to support that show, when you've got acts like Nickelback and Blue Rodeo and some great country artists like Dean Brody and my pals, like High Valley and Core Blund, Uh, obviously in the great Randy Backman. I mean, you can't go wrong. It's going to be an inexpensive ticket, but the tickets are going to go to a great cause. So we really look forward to selling out Commonwealth Stadium and rebuilding Fort McMurray to the great city that it once was.
1: Brett, great stuff. Country artist Brett Kissel from northeastern Alberta. Fire Aid, Wednesday, June 29th at Commonwealth. Tickets go on sale Monday. At 10 in the morning. Great to have Brett on the show. This is Inside Sports on 630 Chad. Coming up to the 7 o'clock news, we'll bring you a scoreboard update and Rob Brown to talk about the Cup Final and something cool he's involved in this weekend when we get back. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.